hour number three. It's the big show. Russick and Rose minus the Rose. I'm McKenzie. Sportsnet 960, the fin, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown Tent. We're at the corner of 9th and 3rd Southwest at Turtle Park. As the Stampede Parade about to begin at the top of the next hour. Is that right, Patrick? You're kind of our, um, you're Mr. Everything mm. Parade. You've been looking up and down the route. Does it start at the top of the hour, I believe? Yes, right? it uh, starts at the top of the hour. It'll start at uh, the far end uh, near uh, McLeod Trail there, near like Olympic, Pla- Olympic Way. It'll go westbound and go all the way up to 10th Street and then back down 6th Ave. Okay. And then from there, you get free admission to the Stampede today uh, as well. All right. Uh, wave. Uh, wave, I guess, if you want to. Uh, we're right here doing the tent. Uh, all The other radio stations in our cluster here, too. That's why you're hearing a lot of yahooing, which we're all about uh, this morning because uh, it is Stampede. And Julian and I are uh, doing our first Stampede. Yes, so, sir. So uh, we're giving away tickets to the Badlands uh, Music Festival all 10 days, 960, 960, name and location on the text line. Give us a do for Stampede and a don't. 960, 960, name and location. Uh, we'll give away that prize at the end of the Speargrass Golf Show, which will go down at the bottom of the hour. But right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, editor-in-chief for the fourth period. You also hear him on Sirius XM NHL Radio. We say good morning to David Panyota. David, how are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm a little jealous, guys. I've never done the Stampede before, mm. and uh, i gotta, I got to add this to my list. This has to happen sooner or later. Yeah, your uh, Frank Cervalli as well said he needs to make it. So uh, the more the merrier next year uh, for a stampede for sure. Uh, David Pagnota. block, that'd be great. Yeah, yes. be great. Um, I asked Frank this question. I want to ask you the same one. Like, how busy is your phone? Is it busier at this time of year than it normally is? Uh, it's been, um, I guess, a little bit. Uh, there's, there's still a lot of activity kind of, you know, out there and, this is typically when things start to, you know, die down a little bit. Um, you know, you get to around a full week into into July. Maybe maybe you hit the ten day, two week threshold, and then things start to die down. Um, but there's still there's still teams that are looking to make moves and augment their rosters a little bit. Um, and you know, of course, there's you know San Jose is trying to figure out what they're going to end up doing with with Eric Carlson. Is it Carolina? Is it Pittsburgh? Is is another team going to jump? And, and re-engage in, in those uh, discussions and in that race. Uh, obviously, the Flames still have a number of guys that um, you know are, are out there and that they're willing and looking to move. There are other teams that are looking to fill some slots and some holes. Toronto and a few others have to also move out salary. Uh, so it's it's still it, things are still definitely you know percolating right now um, before they typically start to simmer around the middle of the month. Well, just really quickly, because we want to get to your Dan Vladar tweet and talk about the Calgary Flames, which you mentioned uh, about the Maple Leafs. Uh, what's the situation with William Elander? Is he pricing himself out of Toronto? Uh, not yet. I think I, I think he's made his demands pretty clear um, and has to hold firm on that. Uh, you know, I, I think my understanding of the whole situation with respect to both Nylander and Austin Matthews, he also needs the extension. Uh, things might be a little further along with respect to Matthews in terms of at least an, uh, an understanding of what he's looking for and what the ballpark range is based, based on term. So he's, gonna, he's not going to sign more than five years. Um, and that's been relayed to me repeatedly. So he's, you're looking at three or five is the likelihood. It could be four, but I, I'm expecting a three- or five-year extension. 
And that'll range from around 13 million to just over 14, depending on how many years. So there's already an understanding of what that's going to look like. So the focus now has to shift and should shift towards Nylander's side. And is it the, it's not going to be 8.5, which is what the Leafs would love, because that's what they're, that's what they're digging their heels in on. And his camp is digging in on the 10 million. So they've got to find some type of wiggle room, middle ground, and then kind of go from there. I don't expect him to sign after, at least not now anyway, after Austin Matthews. I think they want to wait and see how Nylander's situation unfolds before uh, Matthews' camp kind of gets finalized. Plus, they have to also free up money. Um, you know, they're over the cap. They have LTIR flexibility, but they still need to move out some money. And TJ's Brody's name is out there. They have to figure out what they're going to do with, with Matt Murray. If Ilya Samsonov goes to arbitration, once that starts, the buyout window will open, and that would give them flexibility with Murray. But there's still a lot that has to be figured out there. Uh, let's jump into the Calgary situation. Uh, you put out a tweet yesterday about how the Flames are, are continuing to getting to, to generate interest in their goaltender, Dan Vladar. They've received some offers uh, for him, according to you. Yeah. Uh, but the, just just going to read the tweet, the rest of the tweet out here. But so far, Calgary is set on holding him unless they receive an offer that forces their hand. Do you get a sense? Do you have any sense of what the Flames might be looking for from De, for for Dan Vladar trade? And, and that's that's the <laughs> to be honest with you, the simple answer is no because it, it has changed and it and it is different based on which teams have have engaged in in some of these discussions. So there's not like a definitive, I need X, Y, and Z. I'll take X, Y, and Z from Team A, and I'll take X, Y, and Z from Team B. Those, those will be a little bit different. Um, with, with Wolf coming up, and, and they have you know, their goaltending situation pretty much there, they still don't want to give him away. They still value him. So if there's going to be a team that wants, and I don't want to say overpay, because I, I don't think it's at that level, um, but it, it's going to be a significant type of return at least that's what the flames are looking for so i wish i had the you know i could give you this is they're looking for this draft pick and this prospect and, and something like that it's a combination of primarily futures um but they're going to hold firm until somebody steps up with a, as i said an offer that really they almost can't refuse um and, and it's it's similar situation as well because we know there are other players that are certainly out there nikita zadorov is another guy whose name is out there and they've had discussions with other teams as well, but nobody's really stepped up with a, an offer that's going to really force you know Conroy's hand in that situation either. So the expectation right now for both Dan Vladar and Nikita Zadorov, who also has one year left on his deal, um, like some of the other guys, they're just going to wait and see. They're, they're going to sit back, wait and see, and if these guys start the year with them, they're more than comfortable moving ahead with that. We've heard this theme of waiting and seeing. The Flames are doing that right now with Elias Lindholm. They're waiting and seeing right now with Michael Backlund, and they're doing it with Vladar, Nikita Zadorov, it looks like, too. Chris Tanev, that's another name that is also going to be a pending free agent next summer. Uh, Oliver Shillington, you could add his name to the list. The only name they've moved on from the last few days is Tyler Toffoli in the trade that transpired. At some point, uh, do you think the Flames have to stop waiting and seeing and just have to start making some moves? Uh, yeah, I mean, eventually, because like the, the Toffoli deal where they brought back um, Sharon Govich and a pick, I mean, that's more or less the ideal scenario for them to play out for, for some of those guys you just mentioned. Uh, but not every team is in that position. Every, you know, some of the teams that have interest in some of these guys are evaluating the marketplace to see 
you know, now that free agency is pretty much dialed down, minus a few guys, uh, do we have other alternative options via the trade route? And can we modify things differently? And how do we make the cap work? And that's the, the other sticking point in all of this, as it continues to be, um, is, is how do you maneuver the salary cap? And can you move money out? And how is that all going to work? I mean, that's one of the sticking points with respect to Eric Carlson's situation in San Jose. Whether it's Carolina or Pittsburgh, they have to not only move money out, or, or excuse me, not only have San Jose retained, but they have to move money out. So it, it's, it's, it continues to be um, a, a difficult process for, for a lot of these clubs. And for Calgary's perspective, you know, yeah, you'd love to be able to bring in a guy who can slot into your roster right away, along with maybe another asset or two for Backlund or Hannafin or Zadorov. Uh, but you have to figure out how that money is going to work. And that's been the, I mean, the, the biggest difficulty in trying to maneuver some of these trades. Um, David, what do you think of Lindholm's worth on the trade market? Like, what is he? Is he a roster player? Is oh. he a pick? Is a prospect? Like, how is he, how is he viewed around the NHL? You're probably looking at a, a, a three tier package um, for, for Elias Lindholm, even, even if there is no, I mean, if there's an extension tied to it. Um, then you're probably looking at three to four top-tier assets. If there's no extension and you're just banking on one year and then you're going to take your chances, still, you're looking at a first-round pick, a top prospect, and an NHL-ready young player um, for a guy who continues to be outside of, you know, outside of Calgary and, and some of the other, uh, or I guess majority of the rest of the league. He's still ridiculously underrated. Uh, so to have this caliber player available if they can't work on an extension to keep him, um, you're, you're looking at a three-tier package, and if there is the extension that's tied to it, then that just gets elevated in terms of overall worth. But you know, the word is, at least what I've been hearing and what I heard around draft time and, and just before the draft was, you know, you're looking at a top prospect, a first-round pick, and a young NHL-caliber asset. Um, and, and I don't think, I, I don't think Calgary wants to lay off of that, and for good reason, because of just how good of a player he is. Just to clarify here, with that uh, package that could be out there, is that how contingent on that is is Elias Lindholm being extended to having that package? Like how? Like say they come across a team that is interested in Elias Lindholm, but that might not be a guarantee uh, that he is willing to commit to them long term. Like how does that play into things? I, I think the top two. So you're still looking at a first round pick and a, and a top level prospect. Maybe it's a, an A, A-minus level prospect or something without an extension, mm-hmm. and then another asset. And the other asset may also be due to uh, make the money work. So, it, it, I mean, those are, the pri- those are the parameters. And then they have to figure out the money. So it may be you know, a little bit more complicated than what I just explained. But uh, mm-hmm. if there is an extension in place, then you're looking at an A-plus level prospect, a, a plus level prospect, first-round pick, young NHL-ready proven asset, and then something else. Um, it, you know, it's, it's when you're dealing with these caliber players, effectively a first line, he is a first line center. Um, you know, whether you have him for one year, that's the price. If you're going to be able to extend him, if you're going to be giving his camp at Newport the opportunity to work out an extension with another club, um, then you can maximize your overall return that way. But some teams are reluctant to do that. Like, I, you know, Carolina is looking to move Brett Pesci to free up money. They haven't given other teams that are interested, Nashville being one of them, the, the you know permission to speak with his agent. So some teams allow it, some teams don't. Um, in this scenario, I, I don't get the sense they're there just yet. 
Um, but because they're still, I mean, their objective is to keep them. But if they can't make that happen, that seems to be at least the overall price tag of, of what it would take to get him out of Calgary. Um, what what are some of the teams, David, that potentially would be in the front of the line for Elias Lindholm? Obviously, we've heard a lot about the Columbus Blue Jackets with the Johnny Goudreau situation, right. Carolina, maybe back to his old team. I don't know. Maybe maybe that potentially could be a reunion. What what are some of the teams you think are at the top of the list if Elias Lindholm is available via trade? Well, we know he potentially could be, but if he is, in fact, traded. Right. Well, I mean, you know, those two teams you mentioned, things have shifted a little bit there. Uh, with Columbus being able to draft Adam Fantilli, the urgency to bring in somebody at that center position is not as it was you know, prior to the draft. Carolina expressed interest in Lindholm ahead of the trade deadline and kind of backed off once they figured out what the price was. Um, I don't think that has changed um, much to this point. I think the Boston Bruins, quite frankly, will be looking at this as, as a, a primary target. Um, even if Petrus Bergeron sticks around for one more year, it sounds like maybe Krejci is leaning towards uh, leaving the NHL again. Um, Boston's moving, and they've said this, that they're moving ahead with the belief that both Krejci and Bergeron won't be back if one of them or both come back, bonus. Um, but they need to shore up their center position, and they want to keep their window of contention open with the rest of the, the, the assets that they have in place in the core of that group with Marshawn, Pasternak, and their goaltending situation, and McAvoy. They want to keep that window open. I, I, I mean, between Mark Scheifele in Winnipeg and Elias Lindholm here in Calgary, uh, I, I, I'm definitely keeping tabs on the Bruins. Now, what could they mm. put together? I'm not exactly sure, but I know that they're definitely looking at you know this as a possibility. So you're looking at the Boston Bruins um, being one. Nashville was to an extent mm. as well, um, and mm. I think they would circle back if, if that's a realistic possibility for them. Okay, so Lindholm, and then what about Noah Hannafin at this point, right? Like, what, what could we, what, what teams do you think could uh, still be in the mix for him? Well, teams looking to, to kind of bolster their blue line um, at, at this point with, with this caliber player, this is, again, a money situation. So, look, his cap hit's not, um, you know, aggressive. But when you're looking at, and it's, I think it's just under, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, I think it's just under $5 million. Um, it is under $5 million, and I think it's 4.95. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not an astronomical number. Um, but when you're looking at this type of a player, you kind of want to – you still want to move out. So you're probably looking at, you know, can I get him at half of that in terms of moving out money? So if I'm going to move out a $2, 3000000 million player, I'll bring him in. So that, that's where things kind of get a little bit complicated. But there are teams that are looking at that. I mean, Seattle um, was looking at him previously. Vancouver was as well. I don't see that being a fit now. That they've made some some adjustments to their uh, to their back end. Um, Pittsburgh is another one. Uh, if if things and, and Pittsburgh and Carolina, so these two teams for me, you know the one that doesn't end up and it may may end up being neither of them depending on how the trade negotiations go. Um, but whoever doesn't end up with Eric Carlson, I think circles back here with the Calgary Flames and and says, okay, how can we potentially make something work? With, with this particular player. And that's the other thing that's kind of going on around with some of the teams that are looking at their blue line specifically that are zeroing in on particular players like Carolina and Pittsburgh right now. And I, I, I was told that Seattle that was also kind of lurking. I think they're out of that for the time being. Um, but I think that's where you see some of these teams looking at these options and then circling back and going, okay, let's, let's give Craig Conroy a call and see if the price is the same, different, uh, for, for Noah Hannafin and then kind of go from there. But those are a couple of clubs that I would also keep tabs on. 
That's actually interesting. It, it kind of you could tell me if I'm wrong. If maybe I'm I'm making a bad uh, read on it here, but maybe the Noah Hannafin trade market is sort of contingent on what happens with Eric Carlson. Is that accurate to say? Like indirectly, right? Like obviously, yeah, indirectly. Yeah, yeah. We all know that Eric Carlson's significantly better player of the two. Um, but for teams that are, it's also significantly more end, expensive too. Right, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So if if things don't work out there, if the money doesn't work, if San Jose says, you know what, we don't want to retain four million, and we're only going to do three. Well, we need you to get up to four. Or this isn't going to happen. Uh, let's shift gears. So. Teams still want to improve their blue line, and adding Noah Hannafin automatically does that. Uh, so they really have to come down and say, okay, well, look, we need to know if we can make this happen. If this can't happen soon, or if it's going to take too many obstacles, let's shift gears here and let's circle back with Calgary and see if there's a guy like Noah Hannafin that could, that could be a fit, Maybe because the price would obviously be significantly less. What about a potential return for a Michael Backlund trade? It doesn't – I mean, like there, there are teams, and, and Boston kind of poked around there too, but I think Lynn Holmes the guy. Colorado poked around as well um, around the draft. They weren't able to make that happen. A few other teams as well. Uh, I don't get the sense that whatever the asking price is, I don't get the sense that teams are – I mean, they haven't because it hasn't happened, obviously, duh, but uh, <laughs> they haven't jumped that willing to cough up a little bit too, too much, right? Um, I, I, I think – you know, if you're looking at and some of these some of these moves, like again, I go back to the Toffoli deal where they were able to bring in, you know, a mid six winger, young mid six winger that they ended up signing, and then and a, and a draft pick. I mean, that's the ideal scenario for for all of these guys in play. Get an NHL caliber guy, a young NHL caliber guy, and get another asset. I don't think that's realistic for Michael Backlund right now. Um, even though great season, wins an award, um, you know, is, is still has his legs in him, uh, under him, excuse me. So like he, he can, he can definitely be beneficial for a contending club, but I don't get the sense right now that teams are looking at, you know, giving up a significant package in order to get him in. Cause he is, I mean, he's over the $5 million mark. So are you bringing in a guy that's five and a quarter or whatever it is as, you know, your two C or, or your three C. And that's a little bit pricey for a lot of clubs that haven't already made that kind of plan in place. So I think I, it, it sounded to me around draft that the interest, while it was there, the offers were a little bit lackluster, and that's one of the reasons why, for now anyway, he's still a flame. Uh, David, uh, I asked Frank this. I want to get your take, too. Uh, what's the latest on Connor Hellebuck? You mentioned Mark Scheifele and Alex Dabrinkit. Yeah. If you can just kind of give us a little synopsis on all three of those players. Yeah, I, I think I, I think Hellebuck... Um, I, I think it's still, rel- for the most part, status quo. I mean, once he threw out, or once his agent kind of threw out his number that he's looking for nine plus, everybody's back side up against the wall, um, mm-hmm. you know, on an extension. So, okay, well, I want this guy at the $6 million or whatever he's making now, 6.5, um, but I'm not going to pay a premium if I know I'm going to lose him in a year because I'm not signing him to nine and a quarter or whatever he's looking for. So things still seem to be a little bit calm there. Uh, with Frank's report this week with, on on um, on John Gibson, uh, and I've we've been hearing this for a while. He would welcome a change of scenery um, out of out of Anaheim. Uh, definitely backing him on that one. There's that's without question the the case. 
Um, if if it sounds like because his money is is you know in that six range, but he's got term, it sounds like he's kind of shifted to the to the top of the goalie charts in terms of um, you know the top tier guys that are available for trade. So there isn't much on the Hellebuck front. Shifley's starting to pick up a little bit more now because now that we've gotten to the point where we're what a week after free agency. Everyone's starting to pinpoint some of their other areas, holes, and options. I think that's going to start to pick up a little bit uh, with Shifley there. The Brinkett, um, that I was told yesterday, that's starting to inch along. That's starting to make a little bit of progress and get a little further to the finish line. Ottawa wants to make this happen. He wants it to happen. There are two t- uh, or a couple teams that have presented um, offers to the Ottawa Senators that, that my understanding is they would accept but it's contingent on that extension. Um, they're waiting to see, DeBrinckit's camp right now is waiting to see if there are other options in place so they can just do it all at once rather than try to hammer out something now and then have to wait another few days to see if another team gets in the mix. So they kind of want to wait until they have all their options in front of them and then they will continue their, their discussions with uh, the teams that are interested in them. There is a pathway to an extension uh, I know there are some reports where it's, you know things have been a little bit difficult and things like that, and, and they're holding up the trade. That's not what I've been told from people around the Sens and, and around some of the other teams that are poking around. Um, I think we will get to the finish line and, and some type of finality here in the next. It sounds like in the next, you know, five to seven days. But you know, with these things, one phone call can either expedite things or one phone call can derail everything. But. There, there is progress with respect to that. Detroit's still very much in the mix on that. The Islanders were to an extent as well. Sounds like they've kind of veered in a different direction, at least for the time being. David Peñota, editor-in-chief from the fourth period in Sirius XM NHL Radio. Uh, David, thanks for this. Uh, it's getting festive uh, down here on the parade route. Uh, thanks for some of the trade rumors. And, and we'll see you next year for Stampede, pal. Thanks for this. Yes, I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks, guys. There. All right, sounds good. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. We'll wrap up the week, Julian, with the Speargrass Golf Show. Our man Adam Stanley uh, will join us, Sportsnet Golf Analyst. Uh, we're also giving away those passes, the 10 days to the Badlands Music Festival. We're asking you a 960-960 name and location. Give us a do and a don't for Stampede for Julian and myself. Please. A do and a don't. 960, 960, name and location. And we also got a round for four at the Speargrass Golf Show. I'll give you a a trivia question for that. And for all the correct answers, uh, we'll throw your name in a hat for a round of uh, golf for four, you and three friends or enemies or family, whatever you want, at Speargrass Golf Course. That's coming up. It's the big show. On the parade route, Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan, no Rose, McKenzie. We're live at the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown tent at the corner of 9th and 3rd Southwest Turtle Park. The Stampede Parade about to get going. Well, it's kind of started already, Patrick. It's kind of Yeah, they got the right pre-show, now. like the pre-game show here. Okay. You got uh, some multicultural acts. Uh, had uh, some Mexican contingent. Got the Philippines out here right now. Cool. Yeah, a little pre-show before the the real thing gets underway in about 25 minutes. Uh, we're also giving away uh, tickets to the 10 days of the Badlands Music Festival. Uh, Julian McKenzie and I are first-timers to the Stampede. Give us a do and a don't. 
Um, we'll give away that prize to wrap up the show. Also, it's time for the Speargrass Golf Show, brought to you by Speargrass Golf Course, Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience, just 30 kilometers southeast of the city. We're giving away a round of four. Mm-hmm. A round of golf for you and three friends at Speargrass Golf Course. Second to last one. We only got one more to give away. Um, here's the question for today. Get them in at 960, 960, name and location. Uh, if you get the question right, uh, we'll put you in a draw. Patrick will uh, determine who wins it. Uh, give us the name of Brooke Henderson's caddy and the relationship to okay. Brooke. Yes. 960, 960, name and location. To talk about the U.S. Women's Open and golf. Adam Stanley, Spear, on the Speargrass Golf Show, Sports and Golf Analyst. Adam, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm I'm great. Do I get to answer that question, or no? Uh, or uh, no am I disqualified? Well, <laughs> I I think we can sneak you in at uh, Speargrass if you wanted to play. I think we can get you there <laughs> if, if you like. Get all the way out there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sounds like you absolutely. All right. We we absolutely will have you out at the Speargrass uh, Golf Show. I wanted to ask you, how cool is it that the uh, the women's major, the U.S. Opens at Pebble Beach? Yeah, I mean it's it's it, it's important. I think to to shine a light on 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 how they've they've got there. I mean, you think about Pebble Beach and you think about how iconic that golf course is, and how you know it hosts an annual PGA Tour event. It's hosted seven men's majors uh, in its past, of course. Uh, you know, the home of the Tiger Woods' big U.S. Open win in 2000, and you can kind of go on and on about those iconic moments that have happened in men's golf, and now. Uh, the women have an opportunity to play Pebble Beach. And the, the really, really neat thing that I found from watching the coverage yesterday is that they, you know, play play the golf course from essentially the yardage that, you know, 99% of the men who tee it up at that golf course who pay the green fee would play it from. So you're kind of experiencing uh, how that golf course is meant to be played. You think about, you know, the power game on the men's pro side and where they're kind of hitting it off the tee and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, you get the women and they've got to hit uh, hybrids in or they've got to lay up to certain spots and they've got to really kind of think strategically uh, around that place, which is, I think, what kind of adds a lot more layers of interest to Pebble Beach. But uh, for the women, for the LPGA Tour, they come into this major uh, from playing Baltistral, which is another longtime major championship venue for the women's PGA a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then they tee it up this week and, you know, the day prior to the opening round, the USGA announced that it's it got a, they raised the purse to $11 million with the winner getting $2 million. So uh, it's the biggest, the largest prize fund in women's golf history at a golf course like, like Pebble Beach. It's important, it's awesome, and it's just it's really, really cool to see that this week. Uh, Adam, in your opinion, what's the most famous par 3 in the world? Is it the 7th at Pebble? Is it 17 at TPC Sawgrass? Um, is it uh, the what is it the sixteenth at the waste management or is that the seventeenth at the waste management? Uh, the sixteenth, yeah, yeah, sixteenth at waste management. What's the most famous par three in the world? Yeah, I think all those ones that you named for a variety of reasons. I would probably go like twelve at Augusta National is mm. probably up there too. Out of that kind of collection of ones that you that you named, uh, you know, the Island Green, the Island Green at Sawgrass, is, honestly, is probably. I, I would pick that one if only because like mm. the entire the entire identity of TPC Sawgrass is kind of based on that hole. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's yeah. like in every marketing material, even for people who aren't like golf fans but they're sports fans, would probably say like, "Oh, that's the golf course with the Island Green." Um, it's like, "Oh, that's the course with the Island Green," you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think like the fact that the whole of TPC Sawgrass is kind of based around you know that particular you know golf hole, and everyone kind of waits 
until they get there to take all their pictures and, you know, they take a bunch of extra shots there and, you know, it's in all the videos and, you, you know, there's so many reasons why, you know, that whole, I think, kind of transcends all the other ones. 16 at Waste, at waste Management is, is kind of just a unique hole, not because of the hole, but because of all the fans that are packed in there. Um, you know, Augusta National is Augusta National, so there's so many other holes that you could say, you know, the identity of that golf course is based around. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think that TPC Sawgrass, the par 317, kind of go hand in hand, so that would be my pick. Um, Adam, I have to ask you, I was watching the uh, the coverage yesterday of the tournament like you were, and they said something on the broadcast that, Honestly, it floored me, uh, and it was right early in the round uh, when Brooke Henderson, obviously uh, the best driver of the golf ball on the LPGA Tour, um, she hits it, and she gets her sister to watch where it ends up because, according to the broadcast, her vision is the best. Adam, did you know this? Like, is How is that yeah. even possible that a player of her status uh, maybe needs to put some glasses on or maybe this is an issue? Like, I don't even know. Can you explain this to us? Because I was completely floored by this. Yeah, Brooke, Brooke wears glasses kind of off the golf course. Yeah, she doesn't she doesn't have the greatest of vision. So when you see her like do the quick tee pickup off off the uh, with the driver, it's not because she's like oozing swag. It, it's kind of because she can't see it. <laughs> she can't see it that far. So yeah, I mean to have to have her play as well as she had with or has, I guess you could say, without kind of the, the greatest of vision, kind of makes everything all that much more impressive. So again, you know when you see her. Uh, putting with the flag in, you know, that's kind of part of it too. It kind of gives her a, a bigger target to, to aim for. It's, it's not like it's like something really, really bad, but it is something that like she, you know, like I said, she wears glasses and um, yeah, her, her vision's not the best. So, you know, now there's a couple extra layers to, to when you watch the, uh, when you watch the coverage and you realize like, oh, she's kind of doing all that stuff for a reason. Yeah, uh, it's it's it was just mind blowing to me because yeah. I think we've all played golf with somebody who can't see the ball and you have to follow the ball for them. And Brooke Henderson, why well, did that with Patrick when we played Speargrass and Patrick wears glasses? But I, I just it amazes me that somebody at her level is like, yeah, I have no idea where that ended up. Yeah, I got I got nothing. That's why she yeah, that's why she yeah, relies on it's her, incredible uh, on her caddy so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah, even yeah. like no, contacts. Like, no, like, yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, there might. Have you heard of contacts, Brooke? Yeah, there might. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not 100 percent sure if she wears contacts or not. But I know. Yeah. I know. Like when she's not playing golf, she she's got glasses on. Uh, otherwise, so there. Um, there you go. You're yeah, on. You're on the case. We we got a we got uh, yeah, a homework yeah. assignment for you. I will. I will see her on. Uh, I will see her on Monday uh, at the media day in, in Vancouver. So I will. Uh, I'll awesome. try to. I'll, I'll try to see. But all that to say, a pretty darn impressive start by her. I mean, two birdies in her last two holes. 16 and 18, uh, one under par for the day, a couple shots back of the lead heading into the second round. So, yeah, I mean, we, we talked a lot about uh, her and, and her play and how she's, you know, the greatest Canadian of all time, and she's rewriting the record books, and she's won already. But, um, yeah, most of her wins kind of come from good starts, and she had a heck of a start on Thursday at the U.S. Women's Open. Uh, Adam Stanley, uh, sports at golf analyst, joining us here on the Speargrass Golf Show. Um, it's the big show, Russick and Rose, no Rose. Julian McKenzie, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, the Open Championship around the corner, the year's uh, final major. Right now, in your opinion, who's the favorite to win this thing? Because obviously, Lynx Golf over there in the UK is a hell of a lot different than it is here in North America. Who do you think has got the yeah. best chance to win that thing right now, today, as we speak? Right, right. I would say Ricky Fowler right now today. Wow. And, uh, Ooh, okay. I like that. That's really bold. A little, like a, a touch of recency bias. I mean, obviously he just won on the PGA Tour, but I think the the win for him was was a long time coming. Like if if he didn't win the Rocket Mortgage, he would have won 
some event at some point this season. His his body of work over the last you know ten months or so has been better than almost anyone else. Seven top ten finishes in like fifteen starts on the PGA Tour. Um, you know he was right there, obviously at the U.S. Open uh, a couple weeks ago. He was in the final group on Sunday. Um, he's obviously very comfortable with where he's at kind of in his life. He's always loved Lynx golf. Like he's always kind of played that major really well. Uh, he's got, he's kind of got the shots. He's got the creativity. He's kind of embraced the fact that there could be a lot of questions on, on the weather and on the setup and the bouncy turf and um, you know, all, all those things that kind of make Lynx golf so good. So the combination for me for Ricky Fowler to kind of be the, the, the favorite, if not the, I don't think he's going to be the betting favorite, but kind of the, the conversational and anecdotal favorite is, is, is because of how well he's played on so many different golf courses and so many different stages over the last 10 months or so, you know, the confidence that he's got now coming into that major off of victory uh, and the fact that he's always kind of liked Lynx golf and, and what it presents. Uh, you know, if, if you're asking me right this second, who my pick would be for the open, I, I'd say Ricky Fowler. What about Jordan Spieth? Seems like he's kind of flying under the radar, right? I know he's like picked up a wrist injury, but what about his chances? Yeah, I, I, Jordan Spieth, I think, is another guy who, again, when you, when you talk about the body of work over the season as a whole, I think he's got five top tens this year, maybe six. And, and again, he's another guy who doesn't play all that much. So if we're talking, you know, 40% of the guys starts, he, he's finished in the top ten, then, I mean, that, that's pretty darn good. And, and again, you know, the British Open, the Open Championship for someone like Jordan, you know, that major at the beginning of his career, you probably would have said is the one that he's, you know, most unlikely to win, a la Phil Mickelson. Like, he didn't really think that he would ever win that mm. because, you know, the, the, the turf is too unpredictable and the, and the whole setting of the, uh, of the Open Championship doesn't really jive with his, with his game. But, you know, Phil's obviously won one and, and Jordan Spieth has won one as well. And uh, it's just one of those things where, where if the week if you get the bounces, if you get the breaks, and Jordan Spieth is very much a guy who, who needs the bounces, needs the needs the breaks, kind of going for him because he can kind of scramble and and knock it around from basically anywhere. Um, you know, he's another guy who who could probably compete and contend at the British Open, but uh, he could. He's one of those guys for me, and he always has been. Where you know, if he finishes in the top ten at the Open, I wouldn't be surprised, and if he misses the cut. Come Friday afternoon, I wouldn't be surprised either. It's a wide range. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Adam, are you going to get sucked into taking Ricky Fowler in a golf pool or not? No, no, Ricky Fowler. Sorry, uh, uh, Rory McIlroy is the guy. No, I know you're Ricky Fowler, and, I, and then you, you you caught me off guard there. But uh, Rory McIlroy, uh, yeah, are you going to get sucked in with Rory McIlroy? Is is this the time he's going to? Because it's incredible that the guys haven't won a major since 2014. It's it's just mind blowing to say. I would get sucked into betting Rory on a major every major from now until he decides to not to not play golf anymore <laughs> rory is very much like that godfather part three situation for me where he's just like you know just when you thought you were out you know you suck me right back in and, and i just can't <laughs> i just can't quit the guy and for better or for worse i mean you again you look at you look at his results this season you know obviously missed the cut of the players missed the cut of the masters you know total cluster at the beginning of the year Came back, top backdoor top ten at the um, at the PGA. Uh, you know, kind of a backdoor top ten at the Canadian Open as well. Um, you know, I, I just I don't know what to say about Rory. Like, y- you would look at him as a guy whose stats are all right there, his results are totally fine, but like, no one's happy about how Rory McIlroy has played so far this year because he's not like he's not like converting on on the skill set. He's not converting on the efforts week in and week out, but you know, all that to say, he's kind of been right there for for so long that 
if if he plays well at the Open and if he wins the Open, you know, it would be it would be amazing. And if he finishes top five, it would make total sense. But no one would be happy. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> auto like auto Rory would be an auto pick again to contend and, and compete, <laughs> play well at the at the Open for me. Um, but I don't know, man. I just keep shrugging my shoulders, thinking like Rory, what are we doing? And then he ends up finishing, you know, tied for six, and it's kind of like ah. Oh, did we really want that? I guess that's fine. Okay, it looks good on Wikipedia. Um, Adam Stanley, a Sportsnet golf analyst. Uh, Adam, terrific stuff. Uh, well, thanks for doing this. We'll talk soon. Uh, just get the get the deets on Brooke Henderson's vision, yeah, and uh, we'll I tee will. it up at the Speargrass Golf Course too one day. Thanks for this, pal. That sounds good. Enjoy the stampede, guys. Take care. See you. Uh, there he is, Adam Stanley, and the Speargrass Golf Show was brought to you by Speargrass Golf Course, Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience, just 30 kilometers southeast of the city. We're giving away a round of golf for mm-hmm. you and three friends at Speargrass. Uh, shoot us a text, 960-960. If you get this correct answer, we'll throw you in a, in a cowboy hat, Yep. and we'll pull out the winner on uh, 960-960, name and location, please. That's the only way you can win. You got to tell us uh, who, uh, what's the name of Brooke Henderson's caddy and the relationship to Brooke. Two part question mm-hmm. for you to potentially win um, the round of golf. Uh, it's a beautiful spear grass. Uh, got about five minutes to go here in the program. Uh, we have a really killer prize, too, to do. Uh, you have a chance to win uh, a pair of tickets to all 10 days of the Badlands Music Festival. Uh, Producer Patrick, wh- who's playing? What we got, we got? We got Dom Dalla tonight with Aluna, Small Town DJs, Cole, We Are Robots, and Church of Molly. Saturday, Loud Luxury with Bijou, and Wednesday, Talon, and Forlo. Sunday, uh, it's the official, at, or sorry, Sunday we got Fisher with special guests Green Velvet, Honey Love, Joanna Magic, Minus, mm-hmm. and Nick Nemesis. So that's your weekend. Okay, I love it. Um, we want to hear from you, 960, 960, name and location. We're asking you because Julian and I are uh, Stampede Virgins. Uh, we definitely want to ask you uh, the do and a don't mm-hmm. for Stampede, 960, 960, name and location. Texting McTexterson is our Sportsnet 960, the fan texting robot. And he joins us because Julian's going to pick. Because yes. we had a few good ones before. Did you like the ones at 730? I, Which ones were your favorite? My favorite out of all is uh, Neil from Calgary, the one uh, where he said uh, to be careful of the hay bales. Mm. Oh, Because yeah, yeah, yeah. that was an actual <laughs> okay. one that I know for sure I'm going to look out for now. Yeah, you yeah. got to watch those. Watch out for those hay bales. Uh, I do like uh, the just uh, caution. Just yeah. be, keep your head up. Be cautious. Uh, great job, uh, Neil. Uh, Texty McTexterson is our Sportsnet 960 the fan text reading robot. And he joins us with your do's and don'ts from the Stampede. Oh, texty. Jamie and Airdrie, keep it simple, boys. Do. Yahoo. Don't. Yeehaw. Ah. Uh, I learned it's this. not yet I learned here. this last year before I moved. It's Yahoo, mm-hmm. not Yeehaw. Do you know why, Patrick? I'm not too sure. It might be uh, just like that's just the way we do it up here in Calgary. Maybe the yeehaw is more an American thing, but yeah, I'm not yes. not a con- not a confirmation. You know, what, that, let me yeah. let me let me ask our pals. Maybe at, Billy uh, Joe Star, knows. Uh, Candace or Billy Joe? Um, why why Yahoo instead of yeehaw? Do we know? Yeah. Do we know why? They don't know. Nobody knows. No one it's knows. Just, that's just the way it is, I guess. All right. Thank you. You ladies are doing a great job, though. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's definitely Yahoo. Yeah, Yahoo. There's, a, there's a Calgary Herald article from two years ago. <laughs> Yahoo or Yeehaw? Okay, you know the yes. answer. All right, okay, all right. Keep them rolling. Keep them rolling. Frank Text in Springbank. Do wear cowboy hat, jeans, and belt buckle. 
Don't wear them with white running shoes. No, not you okay. don't want you don't want the uh, New Balance, the Nike no. Monarchs, huh? <laughs> the, the, the Nike the Monarchs, Nike Monarchs yeah. the Adidas, the Stan Smiths. Oh no. yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah. Get, no, brother, yeah. no. No, don't do that. Or Yeezys, or like Yeezys. Uh, Johnny, Johnny Goudreau, the yeah. Yeezys. That's been suggested. No Yeezys. All right, keep them rolling. Matt from Calgary, do get yourself some boots and a hat and wear the whole outfit. Don't check your bank account. <laughs> that is true. Nothing beats true. when you wake up the next day. You're like, "What happened?" And you're like, "Whoa, I had fifty dollars." Yeah, like, <laughs> "Whoa, there was a lot of tapping of my debit card last night." Yeah, I had to do this. <laughs> nope, there goes that. Nine sixty nine sixty name and location. We're giving away uh, a pair of tickets to all ten days of the Badlands Music Festival. Julian McKenzie here for another few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a lot of fun with Julian. We're asking you the do's and don'ts for Stampede that we need to know about. How many more we got, uh, GVP? How many more we got, Shan? Uh, we got about six or seven here left. Oh, wow. Oh, Shan, I didn't do your Wimbledon before. <laughs> oh, no. Did Bianca lose because she Shan, was losing Shan, here? It is a Shan, give right us a t- She's in give, a heat. Oh. give us a 10-second Wimbledon report. Uh, Bianca Andreescu right now in the third set in the tiebreak. <laughs> She's up yeah. 9-3 watching this live. Uh, oh, boy. It's looking, it's looking real good. She had a big comeback, looking like she was out. That is your Wimbledon report. Have a good day. Oh, that's the nine super 9-4 in the tiebreak. Oh, super tie-break. Nine four. Yeah, that's oh, a super tiebreak. <laughs> great job. Great job, intern champ. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, great <laughs> job on the Wimbledon <laughs> report. Uh, give us another one. Yeah, let's do uh, let's do about three more texts before we say goodbye. Yeah. Tyler in Carzeeland, do mix in <laughs> a few vodka waters to rehydrate. Don't waste your money buying Buckle Bunnies any drinks. Buckle Bunnies. Buckle oh. Bunnies. What are Buckle Bunnies? It's like Puck Bunnies. They hang, oh, they hang well, around the rodeo. They hang, okay. they hang about around the bull riders. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Yeah. I work in radio. I work in radio. Don't worry about me buying you drinks. I work in radio. <laughs> I can barely buy myself drinks. I'm struggling to survive here, let alone buying you drinks. You not even buy us coffee this morning. Yeah. No, I had to go. Well, George bought us coffee. I bought you coffee. Yeah, George bought us oh, coffee. Sorry. You're My welcome. mistake. I'm sorry. We couldn't well, wait for the really free stuff. That. Thank yeah. you. I, I should have never doubted you. I'm no. sorry. Again. Well, there we go. That's, that's, I can't have coffee for the next two weeks now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Two more. Let's go. Let's do it. Brad and Coosters do start every day with a Bailey's and coffee or Caesar. Mm. Don't wear your cowboy hat backwards. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's key. There uh, is by the way, way. I, like, I like some of the do's. Hydrate with vodka water. That's the way you hydrate. That's <laughs> the, way. the water. That was the one. And then start with a nice Bailey's and coffee in the morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mix one in during the show this week with the franchise? I don't oh. think that's a good idea. Oh, no. Or it's a great it's idea. It's a great idea. What are you talking about? All right, about? let's get to one more. JP in Calgary. Do partake in some wobbly pops. Do not partake in too many wobbly pops. <laughs> <laughs> what are wobbly pops? Are you, Beers. Are you serious right now? Oh, be- why would you call them wobbly pops? Because they're in a, like a pop can, and they're like, make you wobbly. If you drink, you never heard of wobbly you never pops. No, oh, never heard goodness. of wobbly pops. Next oh. thing you'll be yeehawing at the stampede. No, yeah. I would never. Do right that. back to Montreal with you. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why I've never heard of wobbly pops. Maybe. That's awesome. Uh, all right, which you one did you like? Quad. Uh, Julian, uh, what? Uh, which one did you like the best? <laughs> um. I still got to give it up to my man, Neil, man. Oh. Neil from where? Uh, Neil from Calgary, man. The hay bales. The hay bales, right. man. Uh, do we got that one, uh, GP? Neil in Calgary. Deals? Yep. Do the full list of food no one should ever eat. Do not touch or sit on any straw bales. <laughs> they're not wet from the rain. Yeah. Okay, that is uh, that's sharp. an incredible piece. 
advice. Congratulations, Neil. You're going to all 10 days of the Badlands uh, Music Festival. Uh, we got to run. Julian, this has been a blast. We got Thank golf tickets. Hotel. We got golf. And we got oh, play. We you got, got the, you got I, I can randomize it right now. Okay, let's, let's do it. Randomize let's go. It right now. Uh, drum roll? Yeah, we're on the radio right now. Hi. How's it going, guys? Hey, some fans have pulled up to our 960-10. Hi. Give it uh, Matt in Calgary, uh, you're uh, you're the winner of the, uh, hey. of the ticket. Congratulations, man. Calgary, you've won a round of uh, golf for you and three friends. There's a million Matts in Calgary. That's for dang At a uh, beautiful uh, Speargrass uh, golf course. Uh, congratulations to Neil. You've won uh, passes to all 10 days at the Badlands Music Festival. As I mentioned, uh, Julian's been a blast uh, yes. these past four days. Mm-hmm. Thanks for jumping in. Uh, Maddie's still away next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have the franchise in Eric Francis oh, in gonna be fun. all next week as well. Uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, GVP's put together a little uh, best of the week kind of here to wrap up the week. That's a very subjective. Is there anything really best of on this show? <laughs> <laughs> You'll um, find out. Follow us uh, on Twitter. Follow Julian on Twitter. Um, or thre- it's Threads. Well, there's Twitter, there's Threads, there's, threads, yeah. there's Blue Sky. I just... I don't even think I'm going to go on threads. Spill. I don't, even, I don't think I care Post. enough. I really don't. Mastodon. Oh, here we go. Um, great. Uh, do all of those. Follow us on there. And uh, check out the podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Uh, again, uh, have fun. Be safe this weekend, Stampede. Uh, we'll talk to you Monday. Have a terrific weekend. Here's sort of the best of that isn't really the best of. Have a great weekend. Bye. Peace. Like me with my, like, C average could have gone into ASU. Ooh. Julian, their mascot's a broken condom. She'd be pounding the bottom of it. Is this thing on? Like, this thing is, she'd be looking around. Is this thing working? Not, not, I mean, when you say big ass, it's, you got to say it's big. Yeah, you just got you to suck that thing. Yeah. You got to suck that thing down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you have to do with Never lose eye contact. Never. Never. Thin skin George. That's me. <laughs> Did you give him the wet salmon? What is that? Uh, Julian McKenzie from The Athletic and all week. All week. We just call him Denny Gilbert. Denny Gilbert. Like, Gilbert. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, in the afterglow of him going to throw down, like, cram, like, 70-plus hot dogs down his skull cave. I like your musk. Uh, no. I think his size matters. It can't be perfect. That's what makes it so good. No. 6.75 inches long. Which is above average. It's the OG Glizzy Gopher, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is pretty needy. Mm-hmm. I'm a BI. I'd be the Winkler Wonder, perhaps. Ooh, oh, see? Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Brent, Winkler, Winkler Wonder. Yeah. My friends, and you hurt my pride. Little Rick Derringer for you. Let me tell you oh, something. Oh, you like that, brother? Suck on that, Madame Khan. Who's, li- who's winning at life now? Right? Is Madame Khan still with us? I don't know. Jacob. See? Probably a lot of drugs in his future. Yeah. Another game for Milos. I keep... Yeah, Mike McDonald. Okay, forget. Like, like, Joey think, just think about that. Beat. Yes. Yeah, think about that. Denmark, Denmark, Denmark. <laughs> Denmark, I, Denmark, I, Denmark, I, Denmark, Denmark, Denmark. Hey, guys, I'm doing a radio show. Hey, uh, sorry if you're, we let you hang for three hours. Here's a voucher for a free church. Excision sounds like robots having rough sex. Why does that have to be rough? Why can't it be romantic? Jeez. Back-to-back text, but George, your hot takes give me joy. George is dumb as hell. Yeah, again. <laughs> yeah. The duality of George. Yeah. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog.